Welcome to the Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly podcast. Please listen as Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, teaches from God's Word. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List 2020 at gmail.com. We're glad that you're here. Very thankful that you're able to worship with us today. We have some uh, guests with us this morning as well. Hopefully we'll even have some more come in as we get started. Uh, we're expecting some more people. And uh, so uh, we're going to get started in just a moment. I might ask uh, Regan if he would to come and lead us in our opening prayer. Our dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, dear Lord, that you've provided this this uh, church for us to to come to and worship you in, in spirit and in truth. We just have enjoyed the time here. We, we're somewhat reluctant to leave, but we, we need we need to get back to our families. And we just thank you so much for the church. Bless the people here. Bless them in a mighty and special way. We bless the pastors who brings your message this morning. We thank you now in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. 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 Let's stand together. And our opening hymn is at Calvary. Let's sing together. Multiplied 
You may be seated. Wow, that was good singing this morning. Could you hear one another? That was good. All right, our next hymn is uh, Because He Lives. Uh, let's stand together and sing Because He Lives. i 
Amen. You may be seated. Sandy, don't sit down. You're up, girl. <laughs> Packing up the dreams God planted in the full soil of you. Can't believe the hopes he scratched. Means a chapter in our life is through. But we'll keep you close as always. It won't even seem we're gone. But our hearts in big and small. Keep the love that keeps us strong. And friends are friends forever, if the Lord's the Lord of him. And a friend will not say never, cause the welcome will not end. Though it's hard to let you go. In the Father's hands we know that lifetime's not too long to live as friends. With the faith and love God's given, springing from the hope we know. We will pray that you live in this strength that now you know that will keep you close as always. It won't even seem we're gone. But our hopes in big and small will keep the love that keeps us strong. And friends are friends forever if the Lord's the Lord of them. And a friend not say never cause the welcome will not end though it's hard to let you go in the father's hands we know the lifetime's not too long and friends are friends forever and a friend will not say never, also welcome is not in. Though it's hard to let you go, in the Father's hearts we know that life takes not to go. To live our souls. 
We love you guys. We're going to miss you. But this is our new vacation spot. We will be back. All right. Thank you, Sandy. Sardis. Where is Sardis? Unlike Pergamum, remember last week we talked about Pergamus. Notice it spells it right on this, this particular map. Pergamum or Pergamus. And Thyatira. Uh, and then Sardis. Sardis. Thyatira was in an area that uh, uh, we're not absolutely sure about the things that were said about that particular city because it was just not very well known. But Sardis was. Sardis was fairly well known. And then notice, we've only got Philadelphia and Laodicea. We're getting through our seven churches, aren't we? As you make that clockwise tour around the churches. Now, Oh, it ran away, didn't it? Thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope it's back in the right order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is message number six on the churches. But you remember the first Sunday we had just an introduction. We weren't talking about any particular church. And uh, so this is actually the fifth church. The fifth. Number five. But unlike the silly robot movie Short Circuit, do you remember that? Any of you ever saw that movie some years ago? This time, number five is definitely not a lie. If you hang around churches or Christians long enough, you're bound to hear somebody say, that church is really alive. You've heard that, haven't you? Or, that church is pretty dead. <laughs> I've heard that too. Well, today we're going to be looking at a church that is described as being dead. Now, we'll see that there are some in that church that were not dead yet, and he cautions them, he admonishes them, and we'll talk about that more when we get to it. But turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 6 from this chapter. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write. By the way, I'm using the NIV today to read from. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars of God, and the, uh, I'm sorry, the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. 
I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, obey it, and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now notice that last verse. He's saying that he's writing to the churches, not just this one church. One church has the message, but it applies to all of us, doesn't it? And so we need to listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you today that we have the privilege of being in your house. That we can open your word, that we can read things that are beneficial, not just for that church, but for Hillside. I pray today that if there are things that are said in this particular letter that are needed for us, we will understand them. Maybe needed for individuals, then we will understand that as well. And I pray that your blessings would be upon each one that's gathered together under the sound of my voice. Be with those that are listening to our podcast today. We thank you for them. And we pray your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Sometimes people might be described as being nominal. Nominal. In name only, but nominal. I won't ask today what you think of Hillside Baptist Church in that regard. But I'd like for you to think as we talk about Sardis and we've talked about all of these churches and as we continue to talk about them, Philadelphia, Laodicea, that we think in terms of how that might apply to us, to our church. The sad thing is that whatever we think about some other church or even our church, We may have everything all wrong. That's the way it was in Sardis. What did he say their reputation was? What did he say that other people thought about them? They thought they were alive. They thought they were a good church, right? But Jesus walks among them. 
And he walks among us here today, doesn't he? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Isn't that what the Bible says? And he is here. And he's walking among us. And maybe we've got a reputation out there, good or bad, but Jesus knows us intimately. And he knows whether that reputation is true or whether it's false. Remember the message we had last Wednesday evening? Lots of people, great music, activities, all the things that might be looked at as being a great church, and that church might not be great at all. Do you remember what we said about being a scriptural, biblical church? There's some things that have to be in order for that to really be a church that God recognizes. Has to have born again believers. The individuals that are part of that congregation have to be saved, don't they? Know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Now I'm not going to preach that message all over again. But not only born again believers, but Truly worshiping God in spirit and in truth. By the way, if you didn't listen to that message last Wednesday, or you could listen to it on Tuesday last week, couldn't you? <laughs> uh, you can still go back to it. It's still there, I think, right? You didn't destroy it? <laughs> he may destroy some of them if he doesn't like them, but anyway. But Sardis had a reputation to be envied. Other people looked at this church, oh, that's a great church. But they weren't. I spoke a few weeks ago on the subject of having a, a great reputation, a good name. We were talking about Pergamum two weeks ago. Now, <clears throat> This church wasn't true to their name. They weren't what their reputation said they were. And that's true of other churches today as well. When we look, all we're seeing is with human eyes, right? We can't really know the hearts and minds and lives of the people. I look at Regan over there. And I say he's a great Christian. Now I really think he is. But I don't know his heart, do I? But the one who's walking among us here today knows Regan inside out. Now I just picked on him. I could have picked on me. I could have picked on you. Because that's true of every one of us, isn't it? Every one of us. God knows us inside out. And He knows our church. The reality is that the church of Sardis was called dead by Jesus. Isn't that true? Isn't that what He said about them? You have a name that you live, but you're dead. 
Now, I wouldn't want that said about our church, would you? And I hope that's not true, but I don't believe it is true about our church. But we don't need just a reputation. We don't need just something that people see as they look at us. We need the true thing. We need the reality of what a true church is and what a church should be as God looks at it. Now as we look at Sardis, this church was the only church that God didn't start out or Jesus didn't start out by saying something good about them. Did you notice? He didn't. Now there's some things good in it, some things that we're going to look at that, uh, yeah, that's not bad, but he didn't start out with a praise. And that's sad. Because the church was dead in God's eyes. Or at least in, in such a deep sleep, they looked like they were dead. Now what's the difference? And how would we, would we tell the difference? I don't think we could. We're all familiar with the cliche, appearances are deceiving. And that was this church, wasn't it? But God can't be fooled. He doesn't just go by appearances. He doesn't just go by reputation, as I said before. And this is the saddest, the harshest of the letters to the churches in Revelation. I think that's why it's most severe that he hates appearances. He hates make-believe. He hates hypocrisy. And this church had a name that they lived, but they were dead. Isn't that hypocrisy? In fact, the word that's used here is hypocrisy. In the Holman version of the Scriptures, in Romans 12, verse 9, it says, Love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Many places in the Bible he talks about hypocrisy. God hates hypocrisy. He hates somebody living something that they're not. Claiming to be something that they're not. When we talk about hypocrites, we think of somebody pretending to be a Christian and they're a child of the devil, right? They're not a child of God. Perhaps we can take heart that there was hope for some of them. Did you notice in the wording that he used here? Jesus urged them to wake up. Wake up. There was opportunity for them. Strengthen what remains. Sardis had, as we look at it, no false doctrine that he condemned. Did you notice that? 
They didn't have false teachers like Balaam and Jezebel. He didn't condemn them for that. The big issue, they had not been taking seriously a commitment to Jesus Christ. Verse 2 tells us that. Maybe you could say that there was plenty of activity, but no accomplishment. They were not really fulfilling God's purpose for them. The purpose for a church. Do you know what the purpose of a church is? Matthew 28, 18-20 tells us that, doesn't it? Go into all the world, teaching, evangelizing as, as it were, baptizing, and teaching them to observe all things. So, first of all, evangelizing. Getting people saved. Baptizing those that are saved. And then teaching them to observe all things that He's commanded. And this church at Pergamum was not doing that. It wasn't accomplishing God's purpose for them. The Sardinians were not left without hope, however. This letter is not an obituary. I saw that titled on some of the notes that I looked at. Obituary of the Sardis Church. No, it's not an obituary. They had some that were still alive. And he's telling them there's a remedy. There's an answer. Wake up. Strengthen the things that are remains. It reminds me of what's written in the book of 1 Timothy. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. It says, Fan into flames the gift of God that is in you. Well, that's something that was needed there at this particular church. Remember what you have received. Obey it. And repent. Turn around. Go the opposite direction. Now notice the words that are used here. He says, wake up. Strengthen. Remember, obey, and repent. I'm not going to take each one of these words and talk at length about them, but I think that you can see what the Lord is saying to this particular church. Not everyone in the church at Sardis was completely dead. There were some of them that were just asleep. So how does that fit for us today? Are some dead? Maybe. An individual is dead if they don't have the Spirit of God living in them. You have to be born again. Again, I'll go back to my message on Wednesday night. But you have to be born again. You have to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I can't overemphasize that. 
But some of God's people are sleeping. They're not doing the work that God wants us to do. And, and sometimes it may be that we've just stopped along the way. You know, kind of like pulling off on a, what do they call those on the railroad track? Where you pull off on the side. You know what I'm talking about. And you rest for a while. You wait for a while. And you know, sometimes that waiting is necessary because there may be another train coming down the track and you need to be out of the way, right? That was the reason for some of these sidetracks. And it may be that, that you're just waiting, you're, you're just taking a rest, and there's need for that sometimes. You remember even when Jesus was on earth, He took His disciples aside to rest. And you're not involved and you're not active and you're not uh, pursuing the things that God has called you to do, but it's only for a very short period of time. I don't think that applies to Sardis, do you? It seems that they had quit permanently. Either they were dead or they were asleep. Now whatever we may feel, Jesus was urging them, and He urges us, strengthens us, to continue. Notice He says, strengthen the things that remain. Evidently, they had had more in the past than what they have right now. But what they had now needed to be strengthened. You may be familiar with the name Louise Savage. She's an Australian. Paraplegic. In a wheelchair. Has been all of her life. But Louise was born with a severe spinal disability. Which inhibited her function. For the lower half of her body. But she strengthened what was remain, what remained, her upper body. And she is a gold medalist, I think, multiple times with using her upper body. She strengthened what remained. And then there was another individual. Wes Adams on his graduation night from high school he was in a car accident and <clears throat> he became a quadriplegic from that accident you think well there's no hope for it we'll just give up but he didn't over the years, he has greatly strengthened something that remained. And you know what that was? His mind. And his commitment to prayer. And today, Wes writes study notes for many Bibles. You may even have his study notes in your Bible that the publisher has used him to put in your Bible study notes. 
And then he has written commentaries on the book of Hebrews. And he's written a history of revivals. God has used him greatly with his mind. Strengthening what remained. Again and again, I could recount stories of individuals who it looked like were out of it. Couldn't accomplish anything. And some people, when that particular thing may have happened to them, give up. They just quit. But other individuals strengthen what remains. And sometimes they're able to do more with what remains than they would have ever done with a whole. Maybe God is calling you to strengthen what remains today like He did this church. But notice the warning. He doesn't end there. He gives them a warning. If you do not wake up, He's going to come like a thief. Isn't that what He said? At a time when you're not expecting Me, I'm going to come. And for them, it's going to be all over then, isn't it? In the historical context of Sardis, this makes a lot of sense. Sardis had a fortress on the top of a nearby hill from the city. A place where everybody could get to if they were attacked. And they thought this place was impregnable. In fact, to say to capture the fortress of Sardis was the same thing as saying as much chance as a blizzard in Panama. Don't think we'll have one, do you? Or you could say as much chance as a blizzard in South America in January, or as much chance of a blizzard in July in the Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying. It was, it was considered by everybody to be so safe and impregnable. But twice, two different times, over the previous centuries, now it took a long time, but over the previous centuries, this city had, had been invaded and had been captured. One of those times, as the individuals became complacent, you know, thinking that they're not able to be invaded, a soldier standing on the wall dropped his helmet. And the helmet went off into the ravine over the wall. He didn't think anybody was watching. He didn't think anybody could see. And so he took a secret route that led from the top of that wall down to the valley and got his helmet. But you know what? Somebody was watching him. And that enemy saw what he did and he led soldiers then back up the way this one had come down and captured the city. 
See, wake up. Be alert. And I think that they would have recognized the play on words here that Jesus was using, telling them to not let down their guard. It's likely that believers in Sardis, as they heard Jesus' word, would have compared it to the times when they were overtaken by the enemy because they let down their guard. It's interesting that this letter then goes on to mention soiled clothes. We usually think that's talking about overt sin. Committed sin. But he doesn't talk about any immorality in this city. No idolatry. No sins of commission. But it was evidently sins of omission. Now we don't talk about that much anymore. Probably to our shame. But what are sins of commission? Well, it's when Lewis goes out and robs a bank, right? Wouldn't that be a sin of commission? <laughs> or maybe somebody, Ken, begins to tell falsehoods on me. Would that be a sin of commission? But what are the sins of omission? It's when God is telling us to do something and we don't do it. We've omitted what God wanted us to do. That's the church at Sardis. They weren't overtly sinners. They weren't out there doing bad things. But they weren't doing what God had commanded them to do. That's the sin of omission. Notice Jesus said, if they strengthened that which remained, if they got back on track, they would be called worthy. And they wouldn't have to fear their name being blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. Now I think Jesus is saying this not with the idea that there's the possibility of that happening, but just saying, your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You need to live up to who you are. You need to do the things that you're called to do and not leave them undone. Revelation 20, verse 15 here is talking about that. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Is your name there? How does it get there? Only as you trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And it won't be removed. Now as we think about our church and Sardis, he says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains, and is not about to die. I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. 
Remember therefore what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. Do you see? He's talking to saved people. He's talking to individuals that know the Lord. And they just need to get back in the saddle. They just need to get back on track. They just need to get back doing the things that God has called them to do and accomplish the things that God has set before them. Strengthen. As they wake up, you know, sometimes we need to set an alarm to wake up, don't we? We do that every Sunday morning. And sometimes other days during the week too. Some days we don't have to get up at any particular time. <laughs> and we don't set an alarm. But you know what that is, don't you? Do you ever set an alarm? Jesus is saying, set an alarm, wake up. Open the curtain, let the sun shine on you. Well, S-O-N. Shine on you. Strengthen. Exercise your faith. Find some people and circumstances that you can pray for. And be diligent in praying for those individuals God lays on your heart to pray for. A good exercise is stretching. Doing something that you've not done before. Or haven't done in a long time. Stretch yourself. Maybe it's in the area of giving or maybe it's doing something you feel God is whispering to you that you need to be accomplishing in your life and, and get busy doing those things. Remember when you find the words in the Scriptures, it means to keep it in mind. Let's, let's be mindful of what God is saying. It's good to memorize Scriptures, isn't it? Memorize God's Word. And then when you're tempted, you know what? God is going to bring that up to you and help you in your temptation that you might not sin. That you might not yield to that temptation. Think about your experience with God. You know, the best testimony you have before the world is what God has done in your life. As I witness to somebody else, many, many times I tell them how I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Now that's, that's not the best testimony in the world. I've heard a lot of good testimonies, some from you, about how you were saved. And your testimony may be a lot better than my testimony. I grew up in a Baptist church. I grew up knowing the Scriptures. My dad was a deacon. My mother was a Sunday school teacher. That didn't make me saved. But I came under conviction and finally I was saved. I'm not going to go into my testimony right now. But you may have a testimony about how you were in the darkest of sins and God brought you out. Your testimony may be a whole lot better than mine, but you know what? This is my testimony. This is what God has done for me. And God wants us to use our testimony to tell others about Him and how they can have that same gift of eternal life that you've received, that you have. Then he says, obey. That ought to be straightforward, shouldn't it? Obey. 
Be a doer, not a hearer. Repent. Repent, of course, is that Greek word that basically means change your mind, change your thinking. And then he says repent. Wake up. Strengthen the things that remain. And then this church can be used of God. Our church can be used of God. Right? I believe it. I know it. As we strengthen those things that remain. Let us pray. Our Father, again, we thank You for this time together. Thank You for the reading of Your Word today as we've looked at the church at Sardis. Not a brilliant testimony for You. But as we look at it, we know that there's hope. As we look at our lives, we know that there's hope. You want us to strengthen those things that remain. You want us to be about Your work. And let others know about Your salvation. How we came to know You as our personal Savior. And hopefully, they too would turn from their sins and turn to You for the life that only You can give. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I've asked Lewis if he would to lead us in our closing prayer, so I'm going to ask him to come and close us out in prayer. Blessed Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the pastor, his message today, Lord. Thank you for the many blessings you've bestowed upon me, my health, my salvation, my family. Lord, thank you. Uh, Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters here, young and old and new. Uh, Lord, thank you for all that you do in each and one of our lives. Lord, I just ask that you be with us this week and, and uh, may you just help us and guide us in the direction that you want us to go in, Lord, not the way that we want to. Uh, Lord, just be with us in our hardships, those that are enduring hard times, whatever it may be, uh, Lord. If you have family members in the United States, Lord, uh, I just ask that you be with them and help them endure the hardships that they're facing in their lives, Lord, and the hardships that it is for us to, to, to hear, Lord. Lord, I just ask that you be with us uh, this week, and may you just help us and guide us in our lives, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.